So look, why don't we just start? Um, we'll especially. Oh look. <laughs> um, it's it always tends to be the case that right after a quiz, people are so exhausted that who's going to do the reading and so on. But actually, there for a number of you here. That's good. Um, a large number of you, not everyone, but a large number. All right, um, any more questions on the Iliad before we get, um, I mean, we are doing Homer, we're doing the Iliad and the Odyssey, you know, as Homer, we are doing Homer. And obviously, the Odyssey makes a lot of reference to the Iliad. Is your hand up? No. Okay, so, but is there anything, anything specific um, to the Iliad that anyone wants to start with before we get to the Odyssey? Really, that's it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know we, we started to talk about that last week, but I was wondering that we could, I mean, the games. The games, yes. They seem so strange. Uh, strange that they happen? Strange that they happen, strange that they happen at that point. I mean, it's uh -huh. sort of like, it's between two of the most climactic points in the book. Yeah. And we have the games, and something feels incredibly wrong about them. Yeah. Well, oh, wrong, huh. Wrong in the sense of why this sudden um, turn to the non-serious? Is that, like, um, in the middle of the, right between the death of Hector and... I don't know. Well, I, I mean, when I say wrong, I, maybe, maybe I mean uh, uncomfortable. Okay, uncomfortable, yeah, I would say uncomfortable rather than wrong. Um, and that would, you're right, there is something uncomfortable about them. Um, and that would be a reason that Homer puts them in there. Um, did someone's hand with, did you want to say something, Yolanda, about that? It felt right to me. It felt like, I mean, a lot, like, different cultures have different ways to, like, celebrate funerals, and some people do have the relief thing, the celebratory thing that, mm -hmm. you know, before the real grief begins. Yeah. Well, it's like wakes in, you know, the, we talked a little bit about James Joyce's Ulysses, which is based on the Odyssey. Um, his last novel, do people know, is Finnegan's Wake. Um, and the wake in Finnegan's Wake is the wake held over Finnegan. Um, who, and what an Irish wake is, is it's a hugely raucous party with people getting drunker and drunker um, around the dead body that's usually lying on the table um, that the wake is for. And um, so there is this odd combination of life and death, um, of the non-serious and the serious that occurs in the presence of the corpse. I mean, I'm, I just want to say the general thing. There actually is a very particular answer um, that has to do with funeral games in classical antiquity, and I can tell you a little bit about that. But the more general thing and the reason that you feel uncomfortable and to you it seems appropriate, but in a way what I, I would say is that it's appropriate that you feel uncomfortable. Um, that's what funerals are about, are, are appropriate ways of feeling uncomfortable, um, appropriate ways of feeling that um, the person, that someone is being celebrated who isn't there and can't know that they're being celebrated and will never know that they're being celebrated, that um, they're, and that's part of what is, is present in the experience of, of the funeral, that, that Hector, to take another example, dies um, thinking that Achilles will um, dishonor his body and that he will never be buried. Um, and Hector is wrong, but he doesn't know that he's wrong, and he dies not knowing that he's wrong. And um, that's, um, th there's, a, there's a certain sense of dissatisfaction there, that had Achilles and Hector made the agreement that they don't make, 
um, that Hector suggests, which is whoever dies, give back the body. Um, had they made that agreement, um, we would have felt a moment of satisfaction between them, like the moment of um, of, of um, the guest, the the um, the. Uh, warriors not battling because they're guest friends and the exchange of gifts and so on, we would feel, you know, deeper than their enmity is this human relationship, which is part of what we were talking about last week. Um, the refusal of that, the idea that the human relationship, I mean, I think this is, uh, in a sense, the deepest idea of mortality in this story is that you don't get to play again. The difference between games and war is that after the games, um, no, one is, no one is killed. No one dies. Um, there's going to be a kind of exception to that in the Odyssey. But in general, after games, no one dies. Um, and so however furious you are, games are to humans what wars are to the immortals. That is, when the gods, the gods treat war like a game. When the gods fight, that also is a game, even if they get hurt in their fighting, um, and even if they wound each other, and even if um, the wounding causes them to require um, first aid, um, and require um, um, godlike unguents and salves, and, and ichor, and so on. Um, it's just a game for them. Um, the idea that what's bookmarking serious mortality, I mean, bookending serious mortality, the idea that it's games that are bookmarking serious mortality, um, there are two versions bookmarking, bookending, too much time on the internet. The idea that it's games that are bookending serious mortality um, is on the one side, they're the games of the gods, where war is just a game. On the other side, they're the games of the humans, which are precisely what didn't just happen in the funeral. The contrast between funeral games and the actual death of um, Patroclus is a contrast that the idea of games brings up. That's the general thing. And you're going to see, as I say, reference to funeral games and also to um, a serious race um, between Odysseus and the Phaeacians, um, which you haven't gotten to yet, even if you've read the first six books, which of course you all have. Um, but also the funeral games that you'll see in the Aeneid. Um, and so the, the, the more specific question about funeral games um, is that the idea of funeral games, um, there are several things. They're, they're actually connected. Um, everything here is connected. And, and, and I think some of these connections I will, bit by bit, get, get clearer as we go through the Odyssey. But they're actually connected to the burning of the body. Um, and the idea is that when the person, when a person dies, the reason that you not only burn their body but burn their stuff is that essentially what you're saying is um, all of this, all of what they had is going to go from presence to absence. The hole left by their death, the hole in the world left by their death um, is a hole that is going to have their shape if their goods are also, in some sense, um, no longer stand for them, but are removed with them. So the idea behind funeral games 
is, and Homer alludes to this, but he assumes you know it, so he doesn't press it that hard. He, he does some other things um, with it also. But the essential idea in funeral games is the prizes in funeral games are the things that belong to the dead man. Um, and he does specifically say this a couple of times. Some of the that that the prizes that Achilles is setting up are prizes that belong to Patroclus. So the idea is the funeral games are people who are competing to get the goods of the dead person because the dead person is no longer holding together as a human being or as the possessor of his glorious on, uh, armor and of his glorious horses and of um, all the other things that redound to his glory. The dead person um, no longer is the, is the um, magnet or center of mass that is attracting all these things around him and also therefore describing him. Um, the reason armor is so important is that it's a shell which is contain which contains the human being, represents that human being in his own glory, um, at the same time as covering the human being. Um, when the human is dead, the armor has to go. Um, and the reason people struggle for armor is the idea is essentially um, the two possibilities are the armor will be taken away and someone else will now wear it, the killer um, of the hero, and the armor now stands for the glory of the killer. But if you keep the armor of the dead person, um, then what you're saying is all that's left is that armor. If you're, if you're, a, if you're Hector taking Patroclus's armor, what you're saying is Patroclus couldn't wear that armor um, and it's complicated by the fact that it's actually Achilles' armor, but let's just say that the basic situation is, is Patroclus was not as great as the armor he was wearing. I am greater. I will wear that armor. If you take the armor from someone you kill, then what you're saying is the armor is they are not represented by that armor because they lost. Um, the, the armor isn't lost, the armor is great, the person who was wearing the armor was not, not um, adequate to the armor that he was wearing. And clearly that's part of the point of Patroclus. Um, if you keep the armor of the dead person and someone either inherits it or it's given away as a prize in a funeral game or it is buried or burned with a dead person, what you're saying is now the armor represents the glory of this dead person and no person after him is as great as he was. And one way to do that is to say, even if it's a prize in a funeral game, or even if it's inherited by his son, or even if it's given to his guest friend, in all those cases, the um, acknowledgment is, I didn't get this by winning it, and I didn't get it because the gods gave it to me. I got it because a greater man than I um, died, and I am second in line for it. I inherited it from someone greater. Um, so the idea then, so I, I guess I'll just say quickly about um, what something is extremely important. This does um, relate to the laws of hospitality. Um, we've talked several times and looked at several scenes of gift giving. Um, 
what all human economies seem to start out as, what all human social um, or economic interactions seem to start out as, both anthropologically slash historically and also in um, our own psychological lives, is um, what's called a gift economy. And the idea is that the giver of gifts, someone who gives gifts um, to someone else, is um, showing by the fact that they are the giver, they are showing a kind of higher status than the receiver. Um, this is a universal, seems to be a universal of human culture, um, discovered by anthropologists, actually one of the most central things that anthropologists have been interested in um, for about the last uh, hundred years or so. Um, yeah? Is that where in Adam's reasoning he offers to give like a gift, or someone might offer to give a gift as like, you know, being the host and the other person says, no, let me come back with my own gift to Yes. Well, yeah. So there are two. There are several things that are going on. But the the the, the quick answer is yes. That's right. Um, the, however, the, the the subtleties of gift giving are are actually pretty amazing. Um, so that the idea is to give someone a gift is simultaneously to say there are three things that happen when you give someone a gift when you begin a cycle of gift um, exchange. Um, the first thing you're saying is, look at me, I can afford to give you this amazing thing. Um, and um, if you're amazed by it, it's because I can afford more than you can. Um, so that should be um, a sign of my status. But the sign of status is also a sign of mercy and kindness. That is, um, it's not that I'm above you and therefore I will kill you, um, which is the worst outcome and what all human um, ritual is designed to prevent. Not, I am greater than you, you're a bug, I kill you. That's what Achilles is saying to Hector. But rather, um, I am greater to you and I show my greatness not through violence but through generosity. Again, the line that we ended with last time was, um, was Achilles saying, now let's eat. That's the important thing. Um, now that we've done this, the really important thing is that we eat, that I give you food rather than death. Um, and those are the choices. That, that's the anxiety. When you, throw, when you supplicate or when you, be, when you were a stranger and come to someone as a stranger, is will they feed you or will they kill you? Um, that's going to be the question over and over again in the Odyssey. Um, will the stranger feed you or kill you? Um, in the case of Polyphemus, will the stranger, um, excuse me, if you're a stranger, will the, will the um, host feed you or kill you? Um, Polyphemus will go even farther, and not only will he kill you, he will eat you. Um, so it's, uh, so in, in the most basic sense is, will you be fed or will you be eaten? Um, by its being the case, that humans have evolved and human culture has evolved, or humans and human culture have co-evolved, so that a universal of human interaction is one in which you show your greatness through what Aristotle calls magnificence, um, through kindness rather than through violence. Um, it became the case that giving gifts was a way of asserting 
um, power and status. Now, this isn't to say that giving that that giving gifts is only a way of asserting power and status. It's rather a way of saying that we humans <coughs> regard generosity as a greater um, um, quality, unless you're an Ayn Randian. Um, we humans regard generosity as a greater quality um, than, than um, powerful selfishness. Um, and that's a good thing about human beings, that we respond to generosity as a sign of greatness of soul. Um, Emily. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. So, so the competition is a competition. So, competition um, by its nature feels like selfish. I want stuff, and I don't want you to have it. Um, but a competition to be generous is something that tends to work. However, and, and tends to cement human relationships rather than to um, to drive them apart. Um, however, the competition to be generous. Um, immediately leads to um, extremely subtle and wonderfully subtle interactions. So the only wrong thing you can do, or the worst thing you can do, is to exploit someone else's generosity. That's what Paris did to Menelaus. Menelaus treated him as a guest, and there are, the host has obligations to be generous, and the guest also has obligations. Um, so, so two things happen in gift giving. One is, or several things, but the second thing that happens in gift giving is if you give someone a handsome gift, you are also laying an obligation upon them. They owe you, but they don't owe you in the sense of um, it's, it's, they've signed a contract um, and they've agreed that if they don't um, pay you back by a certain amount of time, they owe you interest. They owe you precisely um, for not, for you're not giving them something by way of contract, but you're saying, here, take this, you owe me nothing. And the more you say to someone, you owe me nothing, and the more convincingly you say it to them, the more they will feel they owe you. And again, it's not that you say it in order to make them feel obliged. This isn't psych individual psychological motivation. It's not, oh, how am I going to oblige that person? Ha, I'll give them a gift, and then they'll have to do whatever I say. It's rather the fact that in your individual psychology, that doesn't even occur to you if you're, gen if you're actually being generous. That makes them feel all the more obliged. If they thought you were doing it to manipulate them, they might say, screw you and your gifts, too. But if they think you're not doing it to manipulate them, and if you aren't doing it to manipulate them, the result is that they feel obliged to you, and they feel that they owe you something. But it's a free feeling of owing you something. They feel it freely. They don't feel bound by the gift you gave them. They feel it freely. Now, part of the gift, part of what they are obliged to do, part of what a genuine obligation is 
Um, so I'll, do people know who La Rochefoucauld is? Um, he's the great French aphorist who um, is is always always says. Um, well, you do, look him up on Wiki Quotes. Um, he he has these um, very acid um, accounts of of human nature. Um, the probably his most famous one, eighteenth century uh, French aphorist. Probably his most famous one is um, there is something not altogether displeasing in the sight of um, the misery of another. Um, so he's one of those people who has, who has a kind of misanthropic view of human beings. Um, but some of his aphorisms are not misanthropic, but um, really insightful um, and, and um, not things that people um, had explicitly said before. And one of his most famous ones is, over much eagerness to repay um, an act of generosity is a sign of ingratitude. That is, um, and you've seen this all the time when people say, no, I can't take your money. Um, I can't be obliged to you. Um, what La Rochefoucauld is saying is if someone does something nice to you and you are really anxious to do something nice back to them, it's because you can't, you feel um, somehow under pressure for the fact that they've done this thing for you. And you don't, and you, f and you find, as we all do sometimes, that gratitude, that the feeling of gratitude is actually an unpleasant feeling. That is that every time you see them, you're kind, it's awkward. Do I thank them again? Do I not thank them again? Will they think I'm ungrateful if I don't thank them? Will they think that I'm just a kind of um, groveling fool if I do thank them yet again? Um, we've, everyone's been on both sides of this, right? Um, the person who gives the gift will also often feel on both sides. You do something nice for someone, and then every time you see them, you're afraid that they're going to say, oh, God, you were just so nice. I'm so, I'm so grateful to you. And that's a pain, too. Um, but what La Rochefoucauld is showing and pointing out, I mean, does, does this ring a bell with people? Um, either, either side or both. So what La Rochefoucauld is pointing out is that the relationship of gratitude is not necessarily a pleasant one. Something good has happened, but the relationship is one in which there's also a little bit of anxiety and tension, um, or sometimes a lot of anxiety and tension. However, in especially in economies which are where gift giving is the norm, and you know, really all economies are, but where gift giving is the center of the economy, um, even you know, modern America, gift giving is is extremely cent central, as you know, because something like forty percent of economic activity is Christmas buying, um, of retail. Um, economic activity is buying gifts for Christmas. And rationalist, uh, any of you an economics major? Um, <laughs> ration, um, there are a lot of papers recently. There's a famous paper called The Dead Weight Loss of Christmas. Um, an incredibly um, um, ungenerous, but that would be the point, um, account of the American economy. And basically what, what this paper says is, if people gave money rather than gifts in Christmas, um, the economy would actually be doing 20% better than it is. Because what happens is people give each other gifts that um, 
that they just don't like and don't care about and that they just shove into closets. Um, just look at all the sweaters in your closets and you'll see. Um, and all of this is unproductive. That is, um, your, th that is that things are being, um, commodities are being produced that then do nothing. Um, and if you gave, if people gave each other money, they would buy stuff they wanted, and they would, and economic activity would really be pumped up. So basically, this paper, the Deadweight um, Loss of Christmas, um, says uh, the real way to cure our economy is to encourage people to stop giving each other Christmas gifts or birthday gifts or really, you know, any other kind of gift. Um, people should just give each other money if they really want to give each other stuff, and then people will buy what they want, and it'll all be good. Um, and everyone who receives a tie that they don't want, or a sweater that they don't want, or, or a book that they don't want, or the fifth calendar of the year that they don't want, um, everybody knows that this is true. Um, but it also, in a sense, misses the point, which is that gifts are um, symbolic, and um, what they symbolize is the generosity of the giver. And um, if people just gave each other money, then all that would happen is the money would go back and forth. Um, and, it, and then after a while, people would say, well, the real thing to do is, is this year we won't give each other money at all. Um, or, you know, but generally if people give each other money, I give money to John, John gives money to Mary, Mary gives money to me, and nothing has happened. Yeah. Yeah, but if you buy the gift, you buy something you want. Right, and, um, and um, whereas if someone else buys the gift for you, um, they're very likely to buy you something you don't want. As far as the economy instead of personal Well, no, if you buy something you want, so, so someone gives you a sweater and you put it in the closet. Yeah. Um, someone, um, someone gives you the money and you get